again, everyone. Tom Oglesby in the studios with Colleen and Janet, and this is the uh, Chatter, episode 15. Do you believe that, Colleen? I That's... can't believe that. I, are you counting by twos? This is I... really the 15th episode. Well, unbelievable. I'm on the toes right now, so okay. I'm, uh, I'm including the, both hands. And... <laughs> and, uh, what? And I can almost reach. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't uh, believe we've been talking with each other for 15 specific episodes. We've been canceled 14 out of 15 weeks. Think about that. And as we begin, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, that, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Grab a cup of coffee and uh, sit down here. We've already got one going with the uh, chatterbox ladies. I can't say. Can I say? with the indigenous chatterbox people here in the in the room. I'm identifying as a woman today. Yeah. Today. I'm identifying as a beloved daughter of God. There oh, we good go. Good one. <laughs> good one. We're not identifying as a cat, so that's a plus. Uh, there we'll save that headline for uh, later on. And speaking of headlines, what do you got? Well, I have There's no topics off limits today. No, I a lot of, there's a lot of headlines but there's you know a lot of them are so negative what's coming out of the church as far as the Vatican you know the financial scandals they're now in court they're starting to uh subpoena cardinals and people and and that's been something that we'll have to watch Peter is pensive is what you're saying Peter yeah, some, is pensive very good that, is that, that a play was, on Peter's pence that was very Tom good. is on his game that is very good see we need to let him talk more we do <laughs> well according to the mail uh, three to one. Let Oglesby speak. No. Come on. Yeah. Well, you can do almost anything with a bribe. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, also a few months ago, when the uh, moto proprio came out, Traditiones Custodes, about the potential elimination of the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, a Vatican reporter, Diane Montagna, is that how you pronounce her last I name? I say Montagna. Montagna, yeah, like I lasagna. Yeah. That's how I'm doing it. I think that's correct. Who and, I would love to get to Dubuque. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, good. I good have plan. a lot of respect for I'm her. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm too. Let's get her. We need a speaker, don't we? I, we do. And um, she is, um, she must wear a rubber suit because she dives into any topic. Mm. Yep. And comes out with the truth. She, along with Ed Penton and yes. uh, the other guy, uh, um, Bern, Matthew uh, over at EW, Bunsen, Matthew oh, Bunsen. Bunsen, the three of those yeah. at EWTN and the Catholic Register are uh, unflappable. Throw uh, Raymond in there as the fourth, Raymond Arroyo. I wonder if our, if our listeners would like to hear Raymond in Dubuque as a speaker at a future event. I had a daydream. I think it's a daydream. The uh, EWTN live from Dubuque, the uh, world over. I don't know if we could pull it off, but the papal posse would have to to be here with uh, Father Jerry Murray and with uh, Robert uh, 
Royal. Right, thank you. Those are the papal posse, but can you imagine a night? We'd only have to uh, broadcast an hour, but I think we'd talk for three with those guys. Oh, my goodness. And Liz- if you could throw Montagna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that, would be, that would be a Midwest event. It would right. be a national event. Listeners, you let us know if you want us to work on that. Right out of the heartland. Mm-hmm. But I, what I liked about, I like how she reports. I like her style. I like how she poses the questions. And she's very diligent. She's very um, truth-seeking. And she's very uh, kind, actually. Um, but this she's, particular... She's prepared is what she is. Yeah. And she's so knowledgeable. And yeah. she's, you know, she's like, you two, you know, you bring up a subject and you can talk for hours on it. Um, she, um, she went into depth about questioning the, um, the Pope's, um, motivation, it was the motion and, yeah. and the footnotes of the traditionalities custodes. Yeah. Do I say that approximately mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. But what he claimed in the letter that accompanied this document was that he had pulled the bishops mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the world and it was... He implied overwhelming, if not a majority, right? wanted and it pulled back. And the traditional Latin right, yeah, the, right. the, the uh, tridentine mm-hmm. right. Correct. And so then what's being questioned is there's the Vatican, no, there's, no, there's no support that they There's no substance. A, a survey. There's, there's, they haven't published what the results were from the bishops of that survey. And then the other thing that she brought out was that already in January of 2020, um, I think it was the Institute for the Doctrine of the Faith already had two people devising this plan to eliminate the traditional Latin Mass. And so she's trying to get to the roots of what the truth is about how did this come about. And I think it's interesting, and I'm kind of... Well, I think she's got more than that. She's got substance that suggests that the uh, motu proprio uh, is not... There's no substantiation from the survey of the bishops, and not all bishops, but the bishops worldwide, you know, it was a solution in search of a problem. There is no problem. Let's still issue the moto. This is a categorically a moto proprio, correct? Right. Correct. Right. Right. Um, and there, the only issue is the Latin mass sure is popular with the young guys and women, the young families. You go to the Latin mass in Platteville, you see young families that are serious about God, serious about the faith, um, and then you think, is that a problem? Why would they want to quash that? Mm-hmm. Well, and part of the reason that Pope Francis gave to squash that is because he's saying this rigidity, these, these groups, these families that are going to these masses are so um, rigid, and they, they only want the traditional Latin mass at the expense of the Novus Ordo mass that there's ma- almost like it's malicious and that's not the case and I, and that's another thing that I was actually looking to see what else Diane had would say in her article but also what she's going to be saying here in the we upcoming We need to weeks. tee that up because the uh, article was that she wrote was um, not difficult but it took a while to find out where it was it, it broke on life site news I think and Michael yeah. Matt has it also on the remnant yeah, Excuse me Michael Matt yeah okay. and um but the whole, the entire text is is doing. But I think this is one leg of a three legged stool going on here, and not it's not a headline. But um, 
So the first leg of the stool is what we're talking about, the uh, squashing of the Tridentine rite by way of a modo proprio entitled Traditiones Custodes, or thereabouts. But the other two legs are the cancellation of the priests, the good and orthodox priests, uh, and and implying shit. What do they call that? Throwing shade on somebody? Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the people who hear that a priest is canceled, they immediately think that there's sexual deviancy going on, and that is not the case. It's called orthodoxy, and we want to squash that. But here's the third leg that that uh, LifeSite broke in a great interview about a half hour, maybe 40 minutes, uh, on LifeSite News interviewing the Carmelite nuns that are being canceled. So it's not just priests that are being canceled. So so here's the triad. Here's the three-legged stool. We're canceling Carmelite nuns who are in, the, and there was even references to uh, not just Irondale, but uh, north of, uh, where's the, uh, help me. Pennsylvania? No, 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 in, in Alabama, Mother's. Uh, oh, Hansville. Hansville. Um, and how these Vatican visitations come about rather subversively. So we've got uh, nuns being canceled who are cloistered, praying. I mean, think, think of the souls that have been saved for centuries just by contemplatives in prayer. Yep, because it's the prayer of the church. Prayer of the church. Now we've got priests being canceled, and then the, uh, the rite, the tradition. These, they're, they're, there's growing evidence these three dots can be connected by a straight line, the triad of a, of a stool. And it's, I, I like your analogy, the triad of the stool, and, and connecting those three dots you know, now you're able to sit on the stool. And and what is what is that stool but the conservative, orthodox, truth component of our magisterium and our church? And you had a subheadline on that, Colleen, um, the Francis quote, and we were going to talk about synods, and I know you're, you're uh, trying to bring up your, your... She's doing our own research and thinking at the same time, but earlier you were talking off camera about Francis quote making this a, a new church what, yeah, what I'm, the, um, I'm paraphrasing nope nope that's right um, Bergoglio has and this is a quote from him quote we must make this church different mm-hmm. this is the challenge for a different church open to new elements that's a direct quote from Bergoglio we must make this church different do we know when he made this quote well let me see that was on en news we much uh francis said that at the october 9th opening of the synodal synods on synodality yeah what's it's got to be a fake title don't mean synodal synods on synod synodality well and that's a headline but for our listeners what what really does a synod come well where does synod come what's the root word well, root word I don't know, but I've got... It's can- Greek. It's Greek. Okay. It's it's one of gathering or... It's where we get the word synagogue, isn't it? Mm. It's, where, it's, where, it's where we get the Jewish concept of, of gathering. What's the difference between a synagogue and a, 
and a temple. Well, the Jewish uh, people had a temple till it was destroyed. And but right. they, they, you know, in in their communities was a synagogue, which is a gathering place. Right. It's where we get the word synergy. Synergy. Yep. yep. That's the root Greek. Yep. But you got more. Well, it's interesting because I I asked that question. I'm like, what synod? I'm hearing all this about the synod on synods. So I looked up in um, code, the, the Code of Canon Law where it talks about the Synod of Bishops. If anyone has the Code of Canon Law with them, it's Canon 342. But I thought it was really interesting because this is what it says. The Synod of Bishops is that group of bishops who have been chosen from different regions of the world and who meet at stated times to foster a closer unity between the Roman Pontiff and the bishops. Okay, that's one purpose of it. To assist the Roman pontiff with their counsel, now get this, this is the job of the synod, quote, in safeguarding and increasing faith and morals, right? It's not to overthrow, it's not to make a different church. It is their counsel in safeguarding and increasing faith and morals and in preserving and strengthening ecclesiastical ecclesiastical discipline so just to be a common person to me that would mean that we would um encourage and strengthen what's already on the books so to speak of truth with the magisterium with canon law exactly and then the caveat to that is is therefore i would assume that a synod has no authority it's a council but they have no authority to set law an advisory commission they, right, they assist the Roman pontiff. But I was struck. Unless you're German. Unless you're German. Unless you're German here, because now we can, uh, that synod has, uh, well, it's the home of all heresy, isn't it? I don't yes. know what's going on with, I mean, there's a lot of German blood in Dubuque. Right? Well, what but is the, with our German ancestors? Uh, well, the country of Germany, just to be clear, right now, if, if it can get any more liberal, I, I don't know what's left to, to topple. Well, I think you need to uh, be kinder than that. It's not. It's not liberal. There, there are some that are talking that the uh, German church is in full schism with mm-hmm. Rome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're even talking about is the priesthood necessary? Yes, right. is the priesthood necessary? That was one of their uh, documents. Uh, women priests is the priesthood necessary? Whatever. And then they also have something about um, recognizing gay unions. Marriage? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just thought we're going to be hearing everywhere a lot about this synod thing because it opened on October 9th, which was a Saturday, October 9th. And it's going to go for like two years through 2023. I was stunned. You know, a lot of these meetings with the bishops go for a month or two or, you know, at the most you have a year of St. Joseph or so. But this focus on these synods is... The Second Council was only uh, two or three years, wasn't doesn't it? Doesn't it kind of remind you of that? Yeah, it went from 62 to 65. So I'm thinking, boy, it, that's starting to remind me of Vatican II. Well, how long did the last synod um, go? That went for a while. What was that one on? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, th- that was about a, the time frame when um, the his, his uh, Laudate... See, he came out. Yeah. 
and I can't remember, but but some of the issue was, and I can't remember if it was before that or in union with that or right thereafter, but it seemed like that synod went on forever. Yeah, maybe. And these bishops come from different regions of the world. So I don't know if, if they fly back and forth, if they stay from, I don't know how it works. But Do we know who is from the United States? I will have to see if I can find out in the story or somewhere if it lists who are the um, participating bishops. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was interesting that a synod is supposed to safeguard and increase the faith and morals and preserve and strengthen ecclesiastical discipline, church discipline. You know, it's not that a synod can get together and throw all that out the window. I mean, like what he just said about we have to make this church different. We must make this church different. That's not what a synod's job is, according oh, and to and if you look at law. Yeah, you're in canon law deep there. She's got three books piled up. Janet, but yeah. uh, it, it's that's the the role of a bishop is to protect and defend the faith, right? Which was uh, going on here. So we're coming up on the end of uh, the first segment. Where we're and and I think it's important because if you just popped in, you're new to the chatter, and I know the fan club is growing. Janet keeps leading in the votes. Colleen. <laughs> I know. I've heard that. Colleen, would you stop talking? We want to hear Janet. Janet, we yeah. want Janet no, more. No, no, but no, no, what, no. So if you're not getting this kind of radio anywhere in Dubuque, and you're not getting this uh, in a lot of the media, but why is this important? Why are these topics, this is our 15th show that we've put on here in Dubuque, why are these topics important? I mean, you know, you you could you could have a statement saying, well, can't we just talk about something happy, happy? We do have good news coming. There I understand is, that, but but news. these are headlines, and and what's really going on globally in the church in this age of technology and communications and instantaneous in touch? You you know, Regensburg is not that far away. Castle Don Gandalfel is not that far away. Why are these topics? important Colleen you know I think it's important and we all talked about this before we started the show the chatter I think it's important to bring stuff down first of all to the local level you know how does that impact the church in Dubuque or our listeners wherever they may be East Dubuque or Keeler you know the area the the tri-state area how do how do these headlines impact the people of Dubuque one reason for the, the show another reason is you know, we're on all sorts of websites getting all sorts of different news. And so it's not what you might read. Um, well, the witness is out, isn't it? It's not what you might hear on the news or from the pulpit. Um, we're hearing lots of different things. And people don't have time to scour the Internet like, like we like to do. But is it important? Isn't the headline here, if, if, if we're talking about this, and you're not hearing it about about this anywhere else in... Dubuque, Illinois, Wisconsin, if you're not hearing about that, what does that say? What's the headline there? We must make this church different, that headline? That headline, we must make this different, the synod on synods. If, it's, if you're not speaking, silence is a confirmation yes. of, of what's going on here. And if you don't think what's happening in Regensburg and Rome and South America isn't coming to roost in the heartland, you're not paying attention. Well, that's what they want, isn't we it? We might be out in front of the, the story, Janet, by weeks or months, but what's happening today 
we were talking about two years ago, which is why we formed the chatter uh, three or four months ago, because we saw this trend coming. It's important that you know what's going on here. We're not the prophets of doom, but we certainly got a pulse going on, yay? We've got a pulse going on. I, I think part of that, what you're on to with the headline is, it's just like politics on some level. It's not politics. I'm saying it's like politics, where you keep your constituency ignorant to a certain level, and you're able to push through the law more. Hold that thought. we got to take a break here on The Chatter. That's Janet Wagner with, uh, she always gets the last word. Does, I don't know how she does she? that. <laughs> we'll be back with segment two on The Chatter right after this on FM 98.3 KCRD. We are back. This is FM 98.3 KCRD. This is your local show. What do we call it? The Chatter. Chatter. <laughs> Brain block coming in here. Colleen Pasnick. Janet Wigner. I'm Tom Oglesby, and we had to cut Janet off again here with the shepherd's hook. She was on a roll here, and we were, uh, let's pick that up where we left off. What's the headline, Janet, on keeping the well, perpetual synodality? Well, one of the things that we're asking about is, you know, why is this important to folks at the local level, our local level in the tri-state area? And with some of the things that are potentially getting pushed through, whether it's government or the church, whatever whatever it might be, the topic that we're talking about is if you keep people in ignorance long enough and they're silenced because they don't practice the faith in the case that we're talking about, it allows the powers that be to go ahead and push through their agenda. And that's that's what we were going to get into. And I, I find that really interesting because the reason that people need to know their faith, in my opinion, at this juncture in our life on earth, is to save the church and save as many souls as we can. But Colleen, she's saying that we can keep you fat, dumb, and happy, circus and food and, and games, Super Bowls and Friday night football, because there's an agenda Yay. There's an agenda, and if you try to question the agenda, you get fact-checked all over the place, or you get canceled. Like Who, who's a, Whose agenda is it, and what is it? That's right. Right. Whose agenda is it? It's not our agenda, is it? It's the, the upper level. It's the Great Reset people. It's the powers that be. It's not our agenda. Um, but, but we don't know really who's behind it, truly. Well, there's multiple facets. So it's, you know, faceted in different different realms, which makes it fairly complex. But on the simple level, when you look at it and you, and you drill down to, okay, who are the bad guys in the church? Who are the bad guys in the government? Who are the Marxists? Who are the socialists? Who are whatever? You know, throw terrorists in there, whatever it is. The simplicity of it all is it boils down to this. We have lost the faith and Satan has entered in like he's never entered in any other Aren't world. we dancing around the headline here, though? This isn't, this isn't uh, conservative and traditional versus liberal or, or, or whatever. This isn't right and left. It's not Democrat or Republican. What, what's, what's, the, what's, what's really going on here? I mean, name it. It's, it's good versus evil. Right. It's what St. Paul said. 
the we we are battling principalities, archangels, and angels, dominions, virtues, and powers. Yay! It's a spiritual battle. All right, so it's a sure. spiritual battle. I'm going to ask the question again: Whose agenda is it? Well, if, if it isn't Christ's agenda, if you're going down the spiritual battle route and asking whose agenda it is, it must be the enemy. Because I think Satan's. anything in front of that statement. I mean, the first, the first deal when you go into war is know thy enemy. True. True. All right, so anything that comes up and says, oh, it's those Democrats, oh, it's those Republicans, oh, it's, it's those liberals. Yeah, exactly. Whatever that is, and then you superimpose those political terms inside the ecclesiastical domain, who's winning? Satan. Satan. The, the devil, our enemy. Because well, we, we've incorrectly identified who the enemy is. Yeah. All else is a bunch of noise. Where's, as Bannon would say, where's the signal here? And like you say, that division that it causes, whether it's left versus right, whether it's this group versus that group, it's the fact that the devil is behind all the division. Yeah, exactly. And and my heart goes out to the local church and, you know, friends, family, the people in the tri-state area, our listeners, because I, I, I see, we all see the behavior of humanity around us. And, you know, most people probably aren't going to confession. Most people aren't attending mass. Wait a minute. They got the blue light flashing for 15 minutes on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody's going to confession. Right. And and not and why are, is nobody going to confession? Well, it's a long standing. I guess Kmart problem. doesn't flash blue lights anymore, do they? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I cut you off. Yeah. Anyway, it's um when the um virus hit, they allowed for general absolution. So, which is kind of an oxymoron, right? We're all locked down. No one can go anywhere. You can only have so many people in the church at a time, but we're going to have general absolution. So let's fill the church with a bunch of people and give it. It makes no sense. So I think that's still in effect, actually. And I think we need to ask these questions. So who's happy about that? Is Jesus Christ going to be happy about that? Or is Satan just, you know, head over heels over himself? And I think those are the things, the terms in, in the ways that we direct our behaviors day to day is, in what we're doing in our world now, who are we pleasing? Is it Satan or is it Jesus? And so much of the behavior, whether it's the church, the government, it, it all boils down to each individual. I, th- I think one of the challenges here is we need to wake up from a years like if, if we, we just visited this planet by way of uh, flying saucers, if we, if we had not been here all of our adult lives, and look at what's going on, but just objectively woke up from a long slumber and seen this is what's happening. You know, we've had uh, decades-long programs called uh, Renew, Renew the Church. We, we, need, we even have songs that say, Sing a New Church. We, we've got uh, uh, One Bread, One Body. You know, we, we've, we've looked at what's going on because for nearly 2,000 years, Whatever the church was, didn't work. That's, that's the summary judgment. Whatever the church was, didn't work. And even with the current uh, moto proprios, it's, it's not working. And so we need to, to tear it down 
because it's not working. But yet, in our adult lifetime, what's happened in the last 60 years for every new convert to the Catholic faith, six don't leave, they run out the door. Yeah, and that's 80% of the flock does not believe in the number one product here, which is the sixth chapter of John, I am the bread of life. 80% do not believe that is Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So that's eight out of 10, one out of six leave. Three out of four don't go to mass, which is not a suggestion. No? One of the first of the commandments. But we need to reimagine Christ. And silence is complicity. If you're only hearing this here, there's something wrong. It shouldn't be coming from your radio. (laughs) That's a good point. It should be coming from the pulpit. But that's also why we're here. Because... We have a role and a duty as the church militant, as laity, to step up and defend the faith. Say that louder. Why is that important? Well, it's important because it's part of the teachings of the church. In the three constituencies, Colleen, of the church, church militant being one? Church militant is is us. That's our church on earth. The church triumphant are those that have already made it to heaven. Mm -hmm. And the church suffering are those souls in purgatory. Are you hearing from church triumphant that they need to reimagine Christ? Not lately. No. And and see, that's... No, we're not. And the thing thing is, is that the the church militant has, has been canceled. And, and you have to go back and look at... Church militants been disarmed. Right. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. It's a better way of saying it. And how? And it was so easy to disarm us. Give, give us what we want. Give us all the fluff. And, and take away the number one thing. Did, did Christ exit the world on a billowy cloud? No. He died on the cross. So we've dismissed... We want the billowy cloud, and we dismissed the cross. So who disarmed us, Tom? Well, we identified who the enemy was here uh, recently. We did, yeah. All right. Satan, the Satan. devil, our enemy. Right. Call him what he is. Call He's him evil. Father of lies. He's a devil. He's, got a lot He's of names. Satan, father of lies, legion. Ask any exorcist. So he disarmed us. And who else? I mean, what did uh, Paul VI say? The smoke of Satan has entered the Vatican. You know, right. he did say that, like in the early 70s. Okay, so if you're driving down JFK... And you're going, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? This is not our quote. We're quoting Paul VI. Paul VI, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. Shouldn't that have caused a huge uprising? Did it get any any reaction from anybody? Or just, ho-hum, I've got something else to do right now. You know, didn't it cause a a big uprising? I I don't know. No, but it has Caused an exodus. Cause an exodus, exodus, but this is quite a a statement. Yeah, it didn't cause a big uprising per se, but the infiltration is real. I know in referencing Dr. Taylor Marshall's book, Infiltration, he lays out a nice history of different historical events of where this happened. Also, another name that comes to mind is Bella Dodd. Bella Dodd was a U.S. citizen that um, was in favor of the Communist Party, and in part of her work, it was the communists to bring down the church, was to infiltrate the Catholic Church, 
And um, if you're not familiar with her, she had a conversation with uh, Fulton Sheen. And as they got to know each other, she um, confessed and she converted and became a Catholic. And that's how they found out that supposedly at that time, and I think it was in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, um, where she thought that there was about a thousand priests that infiltrated her. Well, she didn't her think she was responsible she was for responsible. putting them yes. there. Yes, thank you. Her book, one of her books, AA 1025, is up okay. on the shelf right over here. And what does that stand for? Anti Apostle 1025. These were unknown to each other communist operatives known right. as AA. So that means this this book, this expose book, it's, it's great. It's a quick read. 80 Very or 100 quick. pages. Very quick read. AA Anti-Apostle 1025, meaning that guy's identity was, was the 1,025th Anti-Apostle. Right, and that's and there, I'm sure there's more. I mean, if we, we look at throughout history of the church, there's always been, even since Christ was on earth, they were always trying to take him out. They're trying to eliminate the Catholic Church. From within. From within, and... And even today, we look at what's called the Lavender Mafia. And people, for the longest time, thought that was just a, a myth. But that is a reality that is in the Vatican right now. And what is the Lavender Mafia? It's the whole homosexual agenda and practicing homosexuals who are priests and have an agenda to change the church for what it is. Will they get away with it? In the end, no. In the, the gates meantime, of hell shall not run. prevail. That's right. So I think I find this stuff incredibly interesting because to me, anything with the church and, and the workings of God are incredibly interesting to me. But I'm always drawn into, but what do I need to do about it? What is my role? Um, where am I dropping the ball and where do I need to pick it up in my personal journey? You're exactly right because you're, you're right. So they will not get away with it in the long run, right? Right. But what do we need to do? Yeah, the to the fight? real question is 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 not whether or not Christ wins. It what's because we know Christ wins. But here's the problem here, between where we're at and where we've been, and when Christ's final victory, his initial victory, was uh, conquering sin and death. Both things, guys. Death, a consequence of sin. You have to con- conquer sin. But how are we keeping track of who's winning? Well, it's souls, guys. I mean, that ultimately, souls are the spoils of war. And how many souls in Christ's victory, or how many souls are lost with Satan when he loses? Right. Isn't that the whole purpose of this discussion for the last two segments. Well, sure. yes. The whole purpose of the church's existence is the salvation of souls. And that's what it says in canon law. The whole reason of the existence of the church, salvation of souls. Which came out in the, uh, uh, the, the mission statement of the synod on the synods, right? Didn't they just state categorically that the reason we're meeting is the salvation of souls? Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't see that. Maybe they did. I didn't see that either. Oh, you're being funny. She takes her a while to get there. <laughs> I'm slow. I'm slower than she is. <laughs> if it were... Let me pull if, my if, eyebrows off my forehead. <laughs> Here I am tuna fishing today. <laughs> Caught a couple. I'm just going to take over the show right now. Jan and I are being schooled. But 
the whole name of the game is salvation of souls. But here's the thing. Whose responsibility is it to save souls? Christ already died for us. That doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Why? Because it's up to you. It's up to the individual. You, you have to be in a state of grace. You have to be baptized in the Catholic Church. It's a rare soul who isn't that would be saved. These are basic teachings, and these are things that we have not heard. I was just going to say, but I've never heard that, because all you hear is someone passes away, oh, they're in heaven. Oh, yeah. if I hear that one more time. We hope they are, right? I mean, right. I don't want anybody, even my worst enemy, to be burning forever in a place of torture forever and ever and ever. Well, even if they get to purgatory, they're burning. Yes. And here's the thing. Everybody is, you know, it used to be when someone would die years ago, you would you would pay alms to have masses said for that individual indefinitely for as long as the money would run out okay mm-hmm. now you have people that are eulogizing and setting you up to be he's saints. in a better place yeah he's at he's a, in better a better place. place he's not suffering you he's know not he's suffering. not suffering which is as totally, if suffering is wrong or suffering is, is well it's a heresy to the cross i i if if you've read the book the book purgatory but several books on purgatory they're talking about you would much rather suffer here on earth on this side of the veil, yes, where body and soul experience the pain, than do it in purgatory where only the soul experiences and the body is no longer a buffer to temporal punishment. But here's my point. When we know that salvation of souls are on the hook, that's the whole purpose. That's why we're even talking and trying to educate our, our fellow friends and neighbors but it, what it comes down to is grace, and you have to participate with that grace. And that means you're going to have to fa- look yourself in the mirror and look at and ask the tough questions. Am I as best as I can be that when I die, Jesus will take me to heaven? Mm-hmm. It's, a good, it's a good question before we go to bed every night. And a great uh, topic as uh, this show will air just days before the end of the liturgical year when Christ ascends his throne as Christ the King and we begin a new liturgical year with All Saints and All Souls Day. And uh, thankfully there's uh, some great priests in three states that are going to remember the souls who are on their way to a better place, but not quite there. In a better place. We're, we're running out of time. Is this the end of segment two? It's the end of segment two. Janet, Colleen, and I will be back here on FM 98.3 KCRD. You're listening to The Chatter. We are back in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios. This is The Chatter, and I'm Tom Oglesby. And I'm Janet Wegner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. We got good news? You know, we do. We so, got to have good news. I once don't know while. about you guys, but I, I just read bad news after bad news, and we talk about bad things after bad things. And Pick up the cross, Colleen. Nobody washes so clean laundry. Depressing, <laughs> right? It's so depressing. But I saw a good news story that I want to share and, and get some good news out there. What is it? So if anybody follows LifeSite News on their blog, they might have seen the story of a woman, a doctor, Dr. Patty, Dr. Patty Gabink, I think is how she says her name. She was an abortionist for Planned Parenthood. 
and she converted wow to the pro-life side i thought that was stunning um and that's quite a conversion focus on the family had her on a broadcast but she um has been a doctor since the 80s and in the 90s planned parenthood asked her if she wanted to do abortions one day a week at their clinic so so she did so she says you know i'd be delivering babies the day before and delivering babies the day after and the day in between working at planned parenthood killing babies killing babies right so she started um she became a full-time abortionist in 1997 but what happened was that um so a woman came in who was scheduled for an abortion and uh, she was kind of iffy. She's like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. I, I'm not sold. Maybe I shouldn't have the abortion. I'm not sure. And so what this doctor said was, you know, if you're unsure, just reschedule. Come back later. We'll refund your money or come back later if you're unsure about it. Give you a coupon. Right, a coupon. Um, so anyway, so she went home. She said, if you're unsure, just reschedule. Come back when you're sure. We don't have to do this today. Okay. No, I think that's pretty reasonable. Right? If you're unsure, just think about it. Come back. Well, okay. Well, she said that with um, a couple other women who had reservations about it. You know, you don't seem to have your mind made up. Maybe you should just reschedule. Well, Planned Parenthood found out about that and they canned her. Interesting. Now, what does that tell you? Are they about choice? No. They're about the money. Don't even let those women go and think that they could change their mind before they have an abortion. Um, The other thing is from a spiritual level. Think about this. Satan, he would have had that soul. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's miffed. He is upset mm-hmm. that you would give them the chance to think about it. I think you got to go deeper than that. Abortion is the sacrament of Satan. It is. So disturbing to think I want to say that, that again here. Abortion is the sacrament of death to satanic child sacrifice. So, so what do you mean? What do you mean about that? I mean, when I think of sacrament, I think of holy things. I think of church things. It's what we said in the last segment here. The battleground, this is, we said it in segment one. This is a battle between good and evil. This is a battle between God and Lucifer who said, I will not serve. And in response to that statement, St. Michael, the lowly, the lowly archangel from the 8th choir, stands up, and his name is forever etched in history, who is like unto God. And he kicked Heine. And he kicked Heine out of it, and in Luke's Gospel, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. He is a liar, Mm -hmm. the father of lies, Mm -hmm. and a murderer from the beginning. Abortion is murder, as promulgated, as pronounced. I was nearly shocked when Pope Francis said, abortion is murder. That's the first time any pope that I've heard has has said unambiguously, abortion is murder. He is a liar, the father of lies, and a murderer from the beginning. And that murder is satanic child sacrifice you are sacrificing a child to satan and there's always at least two accomplices go on you have the mother who gives her consent potentially the father but sometimes he doesn't know 
you have the abortionist themselves. So at least two accomplices. That doesn't include the nurses who are involved. It doesn't include the family members or the friends that are driving them there. And the truth of that is cloaked in the first two statements that describe Satan, a liar and the father of lies. He will lie because there's some people out here and saying, mothers who have had, and by the way, statistically, one out of three women have had an abortion. In this country, yes. We get that. Yes. Yep. We get that. Yep. You've been lied to Yep. by the father of lies. Yes. And that is something that I would like to point out. When you talk about it being a sacrament of Satan, I don't think the majority of women who go in for abortions think that. They're panicked. They're fearful. They're no. afraid. They want to get out of the problem, right? Yes. But the abortionists, however, they're, they've got blood on their hands. And, you know, and the problem with this doctor who converted was she was giving them a chance to reconsider. And Planned Parenthood candor. Planned Parenthood and the abortionists are the ones that are doing this sacrament this um, to Satan. Well, and the money trail, go back to the money trail. They're doing it for a profit, right? So we, oh, absolutely. A, a, as a foundational thing, they're doing abortions so they can create a living, make a living off of killing babies. Yeah. But it's, it even goes farther than that. They are harvesting body parts with these abortions. That's why, listen, people, they are harvesting body parts from abortions this is why they want you to have an abortion up till the day of birth. Why? So that everything is developed and then they can take those body parts, separate them, kill that child, and sometimes even keep that child living until they can harvest whatever it is they need to go through their certain study to produce another vaccine or another piece of medicine. And let me ask you this. So how are we feeling right now that we have to kill 60 million babies? Is that what the number is that we're up to? It's an old number. It's an old number. How are we feeling right now that we are living, trying to extend our life based on murdered babies? I think we need to go back here, though. I think, Colleen, just based on your vocation, your entire life, Colleen, in the pro-life movement, in the maternity home movement, mm -hmm. you've got experience that haven't done that. And we, you know, we need to be big brothers and sisters to these women who feel they have no choice. When we say that this is a murder of their child and they have no, and it's satanic child worship and all of that, these women are not being told the truth. That's right. These women are not being supported in a time that they need support beyond all measure. They need a friend. They do not need to be judged at that point about their actions but they do need to understand that there are people here to help them and to not participate in this act that is unadulterated evil. You know, and I've worked with many women who've had abortions, and they all know they killed their child, every single one of them. Um, women know that, right? They know that. In fact, I would say many of the girls that have lived at Mary's Inn have had abortions in their past. And they have so regretted it that when they found themselves pregnant this time, they were not going to do that again. They were not. So some of the girls that have lived at Mary's Inn are the most pro-life people you'll mm -hmm. ever see because they're the ones that have been injured. They're the ones that have been lied to by the father of lies. Right. They're the ones that have had their babies um, taken from them sometimes at a, a late date. There was one girl 
Um, she had to go through the two-day abortion procedure, which is only used in the third trimester. And they know what they've done, and they regret it. Um, and that's why this time they've chosen life for their babies. But, you know, you were talking about the experimental experiments that are going on with, with the unborn, and I don't think people realize that that these babies are kept alive so they can harvest their organs just like if you and i are organ donors you know they have uh, come up with the term brain dead mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so that they can keep you alive your heart beating and take your organs right there was no such thing as brain dead before the possibility of organ donations was around right. mm -hmm. you were dead when your heart stopped right but uh, in order to have viable organs, they need to have the blood flowing through them. Once you die, organs start to deteriorate very quickly. Immediately. Very quickly. So if you want um, an embryo's eyes, if you want an embryo's skull, if you want an embryo's kidney, liver, heart. liver, whatever it might be, you need to keep that baby alive till you can remove those parts. Then you can kill the baby. Well, of course, removing the parts often kills the baby. But it's it's horrible. And they are taking scalps off of living babies and putting them on mice. I don't think people realize the horrible, horrible experimenting that is going on with our own children. I look at it like this, you know, like it is so sensational to me. It just, it just is heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching to me that this is another person that we have totally dismissed. They're so helpless and we are supposed to protect the helpless. God help us in our generations that have been doing this and are, take, and, and are oblivious to this. It would be to me no different than you're all going to be sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner pretty soon. Can you imagine one of your relatives sitting next to you been alive for 20 some years and you start harvesting their body parts yeah i mean what's the difference a person is a person yeah yeah let's break that down again though here colleen you did a marvelous job of talking to young women here and you've made a career a life out of of what's going on here but um praise god this broadcast will live not just in its life but in its rebroadcast there's women out here if you are deep down you know this is your child and this is this is not what you want to do and you need a friend and you've got one here at KCRD so we got a phone number it's 563-231-3545 563-231-3545 we've got connections to maternity home Colleen at at uh, Mary's in maternity home in Dubuque the only one in eastern Iowa um, for sure, call Mary's in if you're in this situation or have a friend in this situation, pregnant or parenting an infant with no safe place to stay, you can call Mary's in at 563-552-6288 or Google us, Mary's in Maternity Home. You will find us online. Um, and we also have uh, Dubuque County Right to Life. Yeah, this is your pro-life station, Dubuque County Right to Life, Birthright. Birthright. The clinic. Clarity Clinic. Clarity yeah, Clinic yeah. going on here. You will hear a friendly voice. You will not hear someone berating you, talking you down, trying to make you feel guilty. Hey, this is a joyful time. Another life has been brought in here. The circumstances may not be what you envisioned. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter. God brought that life into being. You might think, well, no, you know, my boyfriend and I made this baby. No, 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 no. God made that child. We, we asked earlier in this, in this show, what does church militant do to combat the battle of good and evil? Young women, you are on the front lines. You can defeat the power of Satan by saying yes to Christ. And yes to life. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And you got to wonder, why in the garden did the serpent go after Eve? You know, the devil hates women. He hates women. And so you see a lot of his anger and his assaults come toward women. Because they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable, but our bodies can bring forth life. Right. And he's that, the, all that's about ex- death. That's exactly it. Say that again. You, the, the, he, he, he was going after the virgin. That's why he is so humiliated by the Virgin Mary, because she brought, the she is the Ark of the uh, Covenant, the tabernacle of the Most High, and she brought the Savior into the world. Right, and he is the, a murderer from the beginning, you said earlier. He loves death, and he looks at women, and out of our bodies comes another human being. That's why he hates women so much. He hates women so much, but even it even goes deeper than that. He hates Mary because of the incarnation. She brought about the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ. But I think we got to take this down, Janet, right to these women who feel alone, who feel alienated, who feel helpless. And the reality of it is, is that's the furthest from the truth. They are the most powerful warriors on the face of the planet because they are bringing life into this world and they can say no to the father of lies. Absolutely. Praise God. Absolutely. The power that these young women have is tremendous. To say yes to life, no, I'm not believing the lie, that I'll just have an abortion, it's a blob of tissues, and I'll get back to the party. That's such a lie. And everyone who's listening to this conversation needs to stand down from judgments and what do we what, what's going to affect a job what about our family where are we going to live all of these things are not important that They're life temporary. that life is important and everybody out here needs to support these and and we may not be able to change the world we may not be able to change this country but we can change Iowa Illinois and Wisconsin Absolutely. We can we can make a difference in our corner of the world. And I do have to give credit where credit is due because Dubuque is one of the most pro-life communities around. You know, for many, many years, Dubuque County of Right to Life was by far a bigger organization than even I once for life. And Cedar Rapids doesn't have a maternity home. Waterloo doesn't. The Quad Cities. There is something about Dubuque that is so pro-life um, and we can speculate on the reasons, but the listeners are pro-life, and they have stepped up, so I yeah, want to give a, a shout-out. Well, I think we need more of the shout-out. I think we need to invite, because this podcast, after the broadcast is going out, the Bellowing Ox newsletter requests, especially after the September event, are coming from all across the country. We have added three or four dozen people who want to hear the Bellowing Ox newsletter, and it's in here. If you're somewhere in these United States and you're not being supported, come to Dubuque. Absolutely. Come to Mary's Inn in Dubuque, and we will take care of your child. Absolutely. And you. Absolutely. Well, and for our 
local listener audience, I mean, Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin, that's the heartbeat of the heartland. I mean, that's the heartbeat of our country. We can change things. That's powerful. We can change things. One baby at a time. Amen. I love that. Well, I don't know if we ended up where we started heading out, Colleen. Well, I don't know, but it is a feel-good story about this um, this woman doctor who started out as an abortionist, and she looked more and more into Roe v. Wade and saw the lies, and, and she has converted and become pro-life. And she, her last quote, which might be worth ending with, is she says, it became so clear to me that God is a God of life. Janet, closing thoughts, 15 seconds. Praise God. You know, that conversion is a beautiful thing. I invite you all to consider conversion. This woman is a great example. Let it be yours. Sounds like an invitation to Christ by way of Janet. Yes. How about that? Apostle. You're listening to The Chatter. This is episode 15, Praise God. We've made it this far. We haven't... uh, shouted at each other quite yet not yet no can't wait for that episode (laughs) (laughs) let's close with a uh, you know we close with the glory be but i think uh it's been recent in a couple of episodes colleen we need to pray for priests and bishops so let's do that in the name of the father and the son and the holy Holy spirit Spirit. Amen. amen god our father please send us holy bishops and priests all for the sacred and Eucharistic heart, heart of, of Jesus. Jesus, all for the Immaculate Heart of Mary in union with St. Joseph. All glory be to the Father, and, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is, is now, now, and, and ever, ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This is The Chatter. Colleen Pasnick, Janet Wagner. I'm Tom Oglesby. See you next time on FM 98.3 KCRD.